Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hello again and welcome again. Welcome if you're new too. Uh, great to have you uh, with us tonight. Um, excited to open up Matthew chapter 19. Have a look at this picture of four people. Tell me if you recognise these people. Do you know who these people are? Have a look at the faces. Um, they're pretty famous. Uh, can you work out why have I put these four faces up? What do they have in common? They are rich. Yes. They are incredibly rich. Uh, they are the richest people in the world. So top left is Bernard Arno. He owns a luxury goods consortium, including Louis Vuitton. Uh, massively wealthy. Number one in the world. Second is Elon Musk, next to him on the right, Tesla, SpaceX, I'm sure you've seen his face, uh, his voice around. Then Jeff Bezos owns um, Amazon. Uh, can you imagine owning Amazon? Like, that's just incredible, isn't it? That, go to a party, what do you do for work? I, I own Amazon. Uh, that's who he is. And then Australia's richest person, uh, Gina Reinhardt a uh, mining magnate. So there they are. And think about those people. They can have anything in the world they want. Absolutely anything in the world they want. But here's something they cannot buy. They cannot buy eternal life. They cannot buy eternal life. Now that's the question that's we're addressing tonight as we think about uh, what Jesus is saying to this, this man and the question he asks is, how do I get eternal life? That's the question we're digging into tonight. And I don't know how much you've thought through this issue. Uh, for some of you, I don't even know where you're at with Jesus tonight. I don't know what's brought you along to church. Uh, how much have you thought about life beyond the grave? We're perhaps at all different places in, in that, with that question. But it's a very pointed question. It's a very critical question. Are you ready to die? Do you know that you have eternal life? Uh, do you know that for, for a certainty? I was catching up with a group of friends uh, this week. Uh, so a group of us have been friends for decades. We get together about once a quarter. Uh, we're a mix of people who follow Jesus and people who don't follow Jesus. Uh, we get together and talk about all kinds of things. Here's the topics that normally come up. Uh, money comes up quite a bit. Uh, jobs, career comes up. Uh, real estate comes up, relationships comes up, uh, family comes up. Uh, and on this particular night this week, I asked one of my friends, because uh, I know his sister uh, has lung cancer. And I said, how is your sister? Uh, and he looks at me and he says, I think it's this year. I don't think she'll last uh, the year out. And you think about a question like that, you think about someone in that situation, she's in her 40s, and you think, is anything else that we've talked about tonight really that important? Uh, where is she heading? Does she know eternal life? Uh, do you know eternal life? Massively important question, isn't it? It's really good just to pause and think about it, 
uh, to stop, to actually get Jesus to confront us with it. Uh, what a privilege it is to think into it tonight, even for a short time. It's actually more important than uh, the question we addressed last week on marriage and divorce. Uh, here's a question that's really worth digging into, really worth being sure on. Uh, because I want to say tonight, if you're not sure on this, you can be sure on it. Uh, and I want you to be sure on it. And if you are sure on it and you already know eternal life, it's really good for you to listen to Jesus to work out, is what you're thinking the same as what Jesus is thinking? Because that's what's important. Uh, Are you on the same page with Jesus on this? Lots of things we can get wrong in life. This is one thing you cannot get wrong, so make sure you listen carefully to Jesus. So open up. Matthew chapter 19. We're in Matthew's biography. uh, Those six chapters, 21% of, of Matthew's biography... Um, the, story, the, the, the history, the, the life of Jesus, uh, his, his life, his death, resurrection. We're going to finish with Jesus' death and resurrection uh, at Easter. So keep following as we, we go through Matthew. Uh, what's happening here? So Matthew 19, have it in front of you. A young, we work out, a young rich man comes to Jesus and listen to his question. He says, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, it's not surprising Jesus gets asked this question. Uh, Jesus is always talking about life beyond the grave. Have you noticed this? If you read through uh, the the biographies of Jesus' life, uh, Jesus is incredibly passionate, incredibly serious about the eternal things. Uh, He's always warning people uh, about what are they doing beyond the grave. Uh, There's two realities, there's heaven and there's hell. Uh, There's a heaven that I want to welcome you into, there's a hell that I'm desperate for you to avoid. Uh, So the Lord, the Son of God, the Messiah, knows what he's talking about when it comes to eternal life. But I don't know whether you noticed, uh, Jesus with the disciples describe eternal life using a a few different phrases. Uh, Let me point this out to you because I think it's helpful. Uh, Verse 21, you notice... Here's one phrase, if you want to be perfect, he says to the man, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. There's one way of describing eternal life, treasure, uh, something immensely valuable uh, in heaven. Look down at verse 23, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's eternal life described as a kingdom. Or similarly in verse 24, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Similar idea. Uh, Even the disciples, uh, what do they say in verse 25? Who then can be saved? There's another way of describing eternal life. If you're saved, you have eternal life, you're in the kingdom. Or lastly, Jesus says in verse 28, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, talking about the future, everything will be renewed. It's all talking about eternal life from different perspectives. And let me uh, dig into one of those. The idea of eternal life being a kingdom, really good to get hold of this idea, uh, that, that eternal life, heaven itself, is entering into a kingdom. A kingdom where Jesus is the king. You're living under his rule. His rule is completely uncontested. Everyone is bowing the knee to him. Everyone and everything in all of creation is in its right place under Jesus, living for his glory. That's what it means to have eternal life. 
Uh, that's what it means to enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Uh, it's a little bit different to the way we think about heaven, isn't it? Uh, we often think about heaven as perhaps a giant theme park where I get to do whatever I want uh, or, you know, kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. It's, it's actually all about me. No, no, it's actually, it's going to be fantastic, but it's actually about Jesus, him on the throne, me living under him. That's what it means to enter eternal life. And so question, yeah, do you know eternal life? Are you part of the kingdom of God is the question. Now, what's, what's another massive bombshell here in verse 22? Did you notice this man hears everything Jesus got to say, they, they do the dialogue with one another, and then he doesn't get in? Look at verse 22. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Uh, it's, it's, it should shock us, it should stagger us. The disciples can't believe it. Uh, in the Jewish headspace, it's, Hang on a minute, uh, isn't he greatly blessed? Doesn't every good gift come from God? God has greatly blessed him. Surely he belongs to God and he's part of the kingdom. If he can't get in, then no one can get in. Uh, and it's true, isn't it? Every good gift comes from God. If you're wealthy, it's, it's come from God. It's a gift from God. How come he doesn't get in? In fact, it even works with our culture too, doesn't it? In our culture, it is true, isn't it, that the wealthy it seems like, get everything they want. Uh, if you're rich, there's a lot on offer for you. Is there anything that's beyond your grasp? But here is a rich man and something eludes him. It's something incredibly important, something incredibly valuable. It's eternal life. It should hit us hard because there's some frightening realities here, isn't there? What does it say to us? Wow, there's a massive danger, money, wealth, that could stop you from entering the kingdom of God. Uh, what else does it say? It says, hang on a minute, not everyone gets eternal life. Some people get turned away. Not everyone enters in. Not all paths lead to heaven. And so, what went wrong for this guy? And I don't know about you, but I, I actually like this guy. This guy is not like the previous chapter and lots of other characters in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, he's not the narky guy who tries to test Jesus. He feels like the very likeable, respectful guy who comes to Jesus, yeah? Uh, he's very keen to enter eternal life. Um, very keen uh, to ask Jesus respectfully, but doesn't get in. And I wonder, how would you go if you asked Jesus, just tell me what I need to do to enter eternal life? He tells you, would you be able to do it? Because this man goes away sad. Uh, he's got tons going for him, hasn't he? He's respectful. He calls Jesus teacher. Uh, we learn he's a man that cares about morality. Uh, he's wealthy. He's religious. It seems like he's, he's the kind of Jew that has kept the law carefully. He's dotted every I, he's crossed every T. And I reckon you'd think, wow, this guy seems like a model citizen. This guy seems trustworthy. I'd love to have this guy as my boss. I'd love to have this guy as a neighbour. And it's like he's brought all these qualities to Jesus and said, here's what I've got, tell me what else do I need? Here are, the, here are my cards on the table, what, are, what other card do I need to play? You think about that and you think, it's actually not that different to lots of people, is it? Uh, what do I need to do to impress God? How good do I need to be? 
uh, to get in God's good books. What's the pass mark for heaven? If people are thinking about God, I think they think there's a scale, isn't there? Isn't there at one end the, the guys that are really good, uh, that are definitely going to heaven? At the other end, there's people that are really bad, they're, they're certainly not going to heaven. Uh, you can make that scale in a whole number of ways, can't you? It can be at a religious scale. Uh, these are the people that are super religious, do religious things, go to church. These are the people that never go to church, never do religious things. Or is it a morality scale? These are the people that are really good, moral people. These are the absolute ratbags. Uh, you look at that scale and you think there's a pass mark somewhere. You make that pass mark and you make the pass mark somewhere where you think perhaps I will pass. <laughs> if you're going to make a pass mark, you might as well make it um, so that you pass. Um, so the people below that pass mark miss out on heaven. The people above that pass mark uh, gain heaven. And if that's the way you're thinking about heaven, you've completely missed Jesus. You've completely missed why Jesus has come. And it's actually, it's, it's a terrible scale for so many reasons. It's terrible because if you're, if you're thinking in that way and you're thinking at the top, you'll just be filled with pride uh, I, I got here, I earned it, I'm good enough, I'm not like those people. Who wants to be like that? Or if you're down the bottom, you, you're so fil- filled with despair, I could never uh, meet God's standard. I'm hopeless, uh, Jesus could never accept me. Both ends actually eliminate Jesus, don't they? I'm good enough, I don't need Jesus. Or I'm not good enough, Jesus couldn't accept me. And this man, I think, is looking for a scale. I reckon he's saying, tell me how good I need to be. I feel like I'm pretty good, but is there, is there something that I'm lacking? You can hear it in his question, can't you? He says, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Uh, he, he says, you know, I've obeyed all the commandments. Uh, and at that point, you think, I think you've overestimated how good you are, yeah? Uh, and I think Jesus... He's going along with him. Jesus says, well, here's something you could try. I reckon Jesus could have pushed him on any one of those commandments a little bit harder to reveal what's really going on. But Jesus says to him, here's something else you can do. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And that's the thing that makes him go away sad, isn't it? That's the thing that says to him, Actually, I can't do it. I can't enter. Uh, I cannot give up my wealth. Well, what, did, what did this guy miss? What's, what's the key to eternal life? I want to say it's not rule-keeping. Yeah, be really clear on that. It's not Jesus giving another rule. It's not Jesus saying, you've obeyed nine rules, let me give you a tenth rule. Uh, it's not that. Uh, if you remember Zacchaeus in Luke's biography... Uh, Jesus uh, says to him, uh, confronts him, he, he repents. He sa- Jesus says to him, You're, you are saved. What does Zacchaeus say? He said, I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor. And Jesus said, you are saved. Uh, so it's not, it's not a rule to give away everything because Zacchaeus only gives half. Uh, so I don't think that's the heart of it. The heart of it is relationship with the king of the kingdom relationship with the king of the kingdom so what is jesus saying i want you to put everything aside i want you to put everyone aside to come and follow me can you do that because i am the king of the kingdom 
I want you to live with me, follow me as the king. I don't want anything to get in the way of that relationship. That's the uniqueness of Christianity, isn't it? That Christianity is Jesus, is a person, uh, the king who we are to relate to and know. Uh, it's, it's when Jesus says things like, I am the truth, the life, the way. I am the resurrection, come to me. Uh, it's, Christianity is not a, a list of rules and regulations. It's not a, a teaching in that way, follow this. It's come and follow me, Jesus says. And God is an incredibly relational God, isn't he? He wants us to know and follow Jesus, the king of God's kingdom. Uh, most of you aren't parents here tonight, but imagine you're a parent. Uh, and let me paint two scenarios for you and tell, you tell me which you'd prefer. Would you prefer a child that keeps every single rule in your household, um, does everything to a T, uh, makes dinner, makes, makes their bed in their room, uh, pays their board, you name it, they've done it to 100%. Does that, does that, does that sound good? Happy with that if you're a parent? Except they never speak to you. Except they want nothing to do with you. And, and except they live in your house, they live in your world, and they just do their own thing. How do you reckon that would feel? Uh, would you rather that, or would you rather have a relationship with your child through all the ups and downs, a loving relationship? God is a God who wants a loving relationship with us. Now, there's another picture here. Uh, Do you notice the little section before this section is the section about little children? Have a look in verse 14. I think that helps us. Uh, Jesus says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. There's something about little children. There's something about a, a baby that helps you work out what it means to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, in Mark's Gospel, Jesus goes stronger. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So you must be like a little child or you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Now, what is it about babies? What is it about children? Uh, 20 seconds, talk to the person next to you. What is it about a baby that you think is the key to entering the kingdom of God. Do that for a moment. Okay, 20 seconds is up. What did, what did we come up with? Yell out some answers. What did, I mean, you guys are all so experienced with babies, yeah? Dependence. Babies are super dependent on their parents, on adults, on others. Can't do anything independently at all, really. Yep. That's, that's a great one. Yep. What else? Need to get more sleep? This is the key to the kingdom. Sleep more. 
Uh, it's true. It's not what Jesus had in mind. Yeah. What else? More open? You need to speak louder, sorry. Don't put up their walls. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right, interesting. More able to be influenced, able to be led. Yeah, there's something in that. Yeah, let's, let's think about that. So there's, there's something about a baby. It's, it's dependence, it's humility, isn't it? It's, I can't do anything for myself, I need you to do it for me. Uh, the baby's not protesting in, in any kind of adult way. They might do it uh, in, a, in a kind of childlike way. Um, what else? Babies don't have status, do they? They don't have a voice. They're not powerful. Um, they don't have money. Uh, they're very, very reliant uh, on the people around them. And I reckon that's the key. Jesus is saying, if you want to enter the kingdom of God... Uh, there's the lesson. Uh, be like a little child. Be dependent. Rely on me. Trust me. Don't try and do it yourself. Come into the kingdom like a little child. Um, what, do, what do little children bring? They bring nothing. Be like that. Don't try and bring something. I've done it for you. Accept it. Um, be the person of total dependence on me. It's very contrary to our instincts, isn't it? Uh, Everything about life uh, says to us, you need to grow up, you need to be an adult, you need to take responsibility, you need to do it for yourself. I'm not saying those things are bad uh, in certain parts of life, but that won't get you in to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, You need to stop being an adult in that sense and you need to start being a child. And I reckon that's the, the, the key to the rich man's failure. See, what's Jesus asking him to do? I want you to give up your wealth. I want you to stop being your own man uh, and start being a child that depends on me. Uh, Stop being the person who brings a whole lot of stuff and start relying on me, the king. It's worth us just reflecting uh, tonight. What is... Why is wealth a particular stumbling... It was a particular stumbling block for this man, but it's throughout the Scriptures pointed out to us as a real danger when it comes to entering the Kingdom of God and living with Jesus as King. What is it about money that trips us up? What is it about money that makes it so hard to be a child in the Kingdom, to enter the Kingdom of God? Because look at what Jesus says, verse 23, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he goes on to say something even stronger than that. I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus saying? A camel through the eye of a needle, that's the stuff that's impossible, right? It's not just difficult, it's impossible. You will never get there. It is impossible, if you are wealthy, to enter the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying. You will never get there. And uh, I think what we need to be thinking is not thinking Elon Musk, Gina Reinhardt. We actually need to be thinking about us. Because we are the wealthiest people, some of the wealthiest people in the world. We're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. 
You might think that you don't have a lot. You might look at your neighbour and go, they've got so much more than me. You might think there's someone so much more advanced in their career, in their investments, in their pay. But you are part of the wealthiest people in the world just by living in our nation, just by living in our country. You are incredibly rich. And isn't it true that we live in a city, we live in Illawarra, where there's so many people who are rich but not rich towards God, Uh, outside of the kingdom of God, comfortable in their lifestyle, but so desperately need uh, the kingdom of God. Let me me give you two reasons why I think it's hard for us uh, to become like a little child, to enter the kingdom of God, to live in the kingdom because of our wealth. The first one is wealth gives you an illusion of power and control. Uh, You could say wealth is liquid power. Uh, Wealth gives you that opportunity to do what you want to do. It's the opposite to being poor, isn't it? The poor uh, are at the mercy of other people. Uh, They don't have choice. They don't have power. They're actually, it's why they're so vulnerable and we need to care for them. The more money you have, the more choices you're able to make, the more power you have. And so what is Jesus asking us to do? He's saying, I want you to give up power. I want you to stop thinking your life is your own and start submitting to me. I want you to give up control of your life, self-rule. I want you to live under me as the ruler. That is hard to do when you are wealthy. It's hard to humble yourself. If you're poor, you're used to being humbled because of your circumstances. If you're poor, you're used to being dependent you're used to asking other people, I need help. In fact, I want to say a little bit further, you're probably used to, in your darkest, deepest needs, crying out to God and asking, I need help. The rich don't do that. We don't do that. We think we're in control. We think my life is mine. I, make the, I call the shots. I make the decisions. You'll never enter the kingdom of God. I reckon the other big thing for us who are wealthy is so much of our wealth is tied up into our identity. I'm sure that you've noticed this. Uh, We we get our identity from our money, our possessions. We see our place in the world and our community by how much money we have. Uh, Haven't you noticed this at parties? Uh, What do you do for work? Uh, Where do you live? I don't know how, you know, subtle questions, do you own your house or rent your house? Um, where did you go to school? Uh, they can be all questions about how wealthy are you? Where's your status in life? And Jesus says, forget the status, forget those scales, come and be a child, a little child in my kingdom. Very hard to do if you're wealthy. Impossible to do if you're wealthy. And isn't it one of the beautiful things that when the wealthy and the poor come under Jesus, there's a beautiful equality, isn't there? There's a beautiful, uh, we're all little people under Jesus. There is no scale, there is no status. Uh, We're all humbled before Jesus, living for him. That's a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture here at Salt, a beautiful picture across the, the church worldwide. Impossible. For, for us, but notice Jesus says what is impossible 
with men is possible with God. It is actually possible for God to get us there. It's it's, uh, impossible for us, but possible for God. Uh, See, what's happened? Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. He's going to the cross. At the cross, he will die for the sins of the world. He'll defeat death. He'll be resurrected. Uh, Now we'll be able to be forgiven. We're able to enter the kingdom of God. We're able to have eternal life. If it wasn't for Jesus, uh, eternal life would be the possession of no one. The kingdom of heaven would be completely empty. Uh, None of us would be there. It's only possible because of what Jesus has done. It's only possible because of God's kindness to us in him. Now, you could say the rich, the rich man here has, has the wrong question. Notice his question, what good thing must I do to inter- in, inherit eternal life? A better question is, what good thing has been done for me by you, God, so that I can enter eternal life? What's the answer to that? It's what Jesus has done. So don't think, what, what can I do? What have you done so that I can have eternal life. Well, you have died for me. You've risen from the grave so that the kingdom of God is opened up to anyone who wants to humble themselves, become a child, enter eternal life. Well, what do we do with all this tonight as we, as we uh, finish up? We've seen uh, we have no power to earn salvation. Uh, it's impossible for us to enter the, the kingdom of God, but it's possible for God. God's done something magnificent in Jesus. Uh, we reflected on we are the rich, we are the ones particularly who find it hard uh, to enter the kingdom of God, to live with Jesus Lord. Well, let me say something firstly. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, um, please grab this gift from Jesus with two hands tonight. It is a gracious offer from Jesus. Uh, you, you, you need to cry out to God, call upon him in mercy. Ask him to forgive you, ask him to save you and he will forgive you and you will enter eternal life. Uh, that's, the off, that's the offer there. And can I say, if you're unsure about these things, if you're still thinking these things through, um, tick the Life Series uh, on your Connect card. Uh, we'd love to help you think, think it through. Is Jesus real? What does he say about eternal life? Press into these things more. Uh, we'll let you know when the next uh, series is coming up or we'll meet up with you because it's so important that you get that right. And can I push a little bit harder and ask, if you are thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus, you're on the edge of working out, do I enter eternal life or not? Can I ask you, what's stopping you entering eternal life? Uh, What's the barrier? Who is it or what is it? It cannot be worth it, surely. Uh, it's not worth your career, it's not worth a relationship, it's not worth money, it's, there, there is nothing possibly that valuable that you should give up eternal life. It's what Jesus said. What could you give in exchange for your soul? This is so important. Uh, so think into that tonight. But if you are a follower of Jesus, uh, let me say a couple of things to you. Um, this should make us incredibly thankful, yeah? incredibly humble, as you realise, I could never get there. Uh, this is all of God's work. This is all of God's grace. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Uh, it was impossible, but you have humbled me. 
You have given me eternal life. Thank you. But I don't know about you, but every time I read this passage, it gets under my skin. Uh, there's, there's something in this passage that just keeps working you over as a follower of Jesus. Have you noticed this? Uh, it's, there is something profound about salvation and eternal life that we just talked about. But did you get what Jesus said? He says to this man, go and sell everything you own and give it to the poor and come and follow me. Uh, he doesn't just say to the man, I want you to put aside 10% and, and the 90% is yours, do whatever you want with it. Uh, he's not saying you go away and think about being generous. He's saying, I want you to give, it up, give up everything to follow me. And that gets under my skin for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them is, it just reminds me that Jesus deserves all of me, all of my life, and whatever's getting in the way needs to go. For this man it was money. I don't know whether it's money for you or not. Uh, you need to work out what are you living for, what's getting in, in your way uh, to love and serve Jesus all your days. Uh, but here's a challenge for you. I reckon if you're, if you're the kind of person who says, oh gee, it, it is great, isn't it, that this doesn't apply to me, that not everyone has to give up everything in terms of money to follow Jesus. If you're thinking that, maybe you need to hear this. Maybe that's the thing that is actually getting in the way of you following Jesus. Uh, it's worth reflecting on for all of us to think about what, what is... What is it about wealth? There's, there's a power in money and wealth, isn't there? That, that snares us, that traps us. That's what 1 Timothy chapter 6 is about. Uh, keeps reminding us, beware. Many people have been caught up in wealth, uh, the love of money, and even given up the faith. Uh, take that seriously. Uh, 1 Timothy 6 talks about how would you know whether you're getting caught up in it? How do you, how do you know whether you're living for material things, possessions, money? It says... Be generous. Uh, start giving stuff away. Start giving your money away. Uh, that'll be a true indicator that you love Jesus, that you recognise it's a good gift from God and it's to be given to God. Uh, I mentioned uh, at our AGM we're going to be talking into our new home at Salt. Uh, so I've been preparing for that, thinking into that for after Easter uh, it's going to be a great series. We're going to talk into our vision at church, the glory of God, our gifts, uh, our place here in Wollongong, uh, our prayers and our desire to see more people become disciples. Uh, one of the things that's going to do for us is, one piece is talk to us about generosity and our money and our possessions. Um, and that is incredibly helpful because it's, it's, it's that challenge to us, what place do those things have in your life? Uh, here's a way to test it as we think about generously giving uh, to our new home. So it's going to be very, very helpful for us not, not to raise the, the dollars, it will be helpful to that as well, but to actually for us to grow as disciples of Jesus. Last thing to say if you're a follower of Jesus, do you resonate with the disciples' question to Jesus when they say to Jesus, what about us? We've left everything to follow you. What will become of us? Uh, do you resonate with that? I reckon it's the disciples saying to Jesus, 
we feel a bit ripped off. Uh, we've given up everything. We have given away all our possessions to follow you. What will become of us? Uh, sometimes after a while, you've following Jesus, you've sacrificed, you've given, you've used your gifts, your money, your time, and you think, is this worth it? Uh, does Jesus care? And listen to what Jesus says. He comforts his disciples in verse 28. He says, he effectively says, it will be absolutely worth it. Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who's left homes or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. Uh, Jesus never wants us to forget that there's coming a great reversal. That those who think they're great and good in this world uh, will be humbled and will be the last. If you're thinking you're not one of the great ones, you've given up everything for Jesus, you will be one of the great ones ruling with him on that last day. Uh, Keep that in mind, it will be worth it uh, as you give up everything for Jesus. One I pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight uh, for this conversation between your son Jesus and the rich man. Uh, Father, thank you that what's impossible for us entering the kingdom of God is possible for you. Thank you that you have made a way in Jesus, uh, that in your kindness through his death, through his resurrection, we can be forgiven we can enter into eternal life. Father, help us to to grab hold of that with two hands, to trust you, to rely on you, to confess our sins before you tonight. Uh, Father, help us to be humbled by that, Uh, incredibly thankful that you've done that for us. And Father, as we think about um, following you and the place of money and possessions in our lives, Lord, please protect us from from the trap of wealth, Uh, Father, please help us to see every good gift comes from you and belongs to you. Uh, Father, help us to be disciples who are are generous, um, who don't live for the good gifts you've given us, but live for you, our Lord and Saviour. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.